0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we are finishing up uh, our series today about I Got Questions where we've been trying to just kind of help us walk through, answer these questions that some believers have um, or kind of could have regarding the current state of our culture um, and how kind of to navigate that scripturally. And um, really, I, I mentioned it last week, but we, we really find ourselves in a cultural civil war, right? Um, it's not a, a physical fight. It's not a physical um, thing, but it's it's things that are very much spiritual. We are in a spiritual war because there are principalities, there are rulers in high places that are trying to govern, trying to move and operate within our culture today that um, are very anti-Christ in nature. And um, it's going to take us as believers to wake up, to um, get, get to the point where we begin to really pray, right? Get on our knees and start praying about our society today, what's going on in the culture. It's, it's going to take us getting in the Word of God. It's getting to the point where we, we're going to have to learn how to proclaim, you know, God's truth with grace to this lost culture, to the people in our sphere of influence that we encounter on a daily basis that are um, just off in some ways. You know what, there are people that are way off, and then, you know what, really, too, There are people who are slightly off. But see, God wants us to be a people who are totally on, right? Totally on what God's Word has to say so that we can address those who are slightly off and say, hey, no, no, come back this way. Come back to what what the real truth of God's Word is. And so... Um, you know our theme verse that we've been talking about, and we kind of shed light on it, is really just kind of come to pass with what Paul has been declaring, or what he declared over 2,000 years ago. And it's this theme verse um, in First Timothy. It says, "But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares that in latter times some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead of instead to deceitful and seductive spirits." and doctrines of demons, right? And we know, I mean, if, if you, unless you like live under a rock, right? You know that there is a whole bunch of demonic ideology going on in the world right now, right? I mean, we have, you know, the, the alphabet ideology, which would be the LGBTQIA+, right? They keep adding alphabet letters onto it. Okay, so you got that, you got all these leftist ideas, right? And you even have, and I I really didn't know that they gave a title to this, but they also have what they consider progressive Christianity. And what that progressive Christianity is, is they're willing to fudge the lines when it comes to God's Word. In the church, nonetheless. Not just outside of the church, but churches are being progressive. We want to make sure that we're all-inclusive. Yes, we're supposed to love people but we're not supposed to just give in to whatever it is that they desire and what their needs are and what their emotional needs are and what all those things are. We have to stick to the truth of God's Word. Wouldn't you say amen? amen. Yeah, absolutely, 100%, right? But the sanitizing has begun with these ideologies. They begin to try to sanitize and begin to try to you know, make sure that you know, um, God's truth is, is kind of being eroded and, and cleaned away from everything that um, this world or this culture um, wants to pursue, that God's Word is not a standard at all, but God's Word is just something out there for crazies, for people who are just kind of maybe, you know, weird, let's put it that way, right? I don't know if you've ever been called weird because you're a Christian. Um, I remember a long time ago I was, right? But it's been a while. But you come to the South and a lot of times, you know, people don't really say, hey, you're weird for being a Christian because, you know, it's the South. But you know what? A lot of times in the South, a lot of it is, I'm sorry to say this, is just religion. It's not relationship because, you know, we're just going to do it because, you know, mom went to church, dad went to church. What? No, you've got to have relationship with Jesus. That is the deal. And in this culture, is just trying to, to create anything that is truth to them, anything that suits them, anything that um, would define—they define themselves define by their feelings, they define themselves by whatever feels right, and um, it's kind of this—I um, would say—love of self spirit. Okay, and that's an evil spirit, just so you know. That's that's a deception and a lie of the enemy. When people start to love themselves over loving God, right? Just read Romans 1. And then you read it and go, wow, yeah, that's totally what's going on. But see, we've got to understand that we've got to be able to tell the truth no matter what. We are supposed to be people who stand our ground and are able to say, I don't care if you counsel me. I don't care if you say I'm crazy. I don't care what you say about me. All I know is that God's word is true, and this is what I believe. So today, we're going to kind of wrap this up with this title. How do I defend the faith in love? How do I defend the faith in love? So did I, what did I tell you to go to? I told you to go to 1 Peter, right? But I'm going to ask you to, I messed up. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 first. So just keep your foot finger you know, in there, or if you've got one of those little um, uh, pieces of material that you can kind of roll it off there. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, and it's a scripture we looked at a couple weeks ago. But I'm going re- to read this kind of in the Amplified Version. And it says this. But speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing His truth. Notice it's not your truth, right? It's His truth. So we are supposed to be speaking His truth and then living our lives expressively to His truth. Again, not our truth, right? And then it says, let us grow up in all things. Wow. We got to grow up. Right? We got to grow up. Right? I, I remember in children's ministry, I used to talk to the kids about not being sippy cup Christians. Right? We can't be sippy cup Christians. But see, a lot of people just kind of approach kind of their, their walk with Jesus in that kind of baby sippy cup way. But we've got to get beyond that. So it says, grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, and that is Christ. So we can see here that we are called to speak the truth in love. We are not to bludgeon others in the way we communicate and defend our faith. Because people do that, right? And I think as a rule, what we should do is at least remember... When we speak and confront someone with truth, we should imagine how we would respond to someone giving us the same truth if it was, if it was presenting, being presented to us. Because Here's the deal. I, I am pretty positive, pretty sure. When truth is bundled with harsh tones of judgment, criticism, and condemnation, right it's not really received very well is it right we don't receive it very well all of a sudden man we get this defense mechanism that rises up within them and us and we just want to attack i mean how many have ever had a, a, a glass of cold water thrown in their face right when you weren't expecting it like really cold ice cold that's kind of like what and what rises up inside of us, we want to automatically get another, get a glass of water and throw it right back at them. We want to retaliate. Same principle applies when we start talking with people and start to address the, the issues, those things in their life that are ungodly. Sometimes, you know what, you can't just take the bowl by the horns and push through and try to just jam it down their throat. Now, I, I do believe in, in some way, and I even think it's in Jude, and we're not going to cover it today, but even in Jude, Jude kind of talks about when they, and he throws in a Greek word, that really talks about sometimes you will have to maybe grab somebody by the back of the neck and pull them, okay? That, that, that might be an t- opportunity and a time to do that. But most of the time, a lot of it is, hey, you know what? I've got to be able to approach people in love, in grace, with the truth that God has given to me, what I understand of it, right? And, and really because I think, in, in essence, the truth, right, kind of in and of itself isn't really hard to hear. Especially when it comes, you know, kind of in this, this uncompromising way, the uncompromised truth, when it comes kind of wrapped In patience and tenderness and in love. It's kind of this Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. You don't have to turn there. But you you probably have heard this before, this principle. Doing unto others as you would have would do unto them. Right? So we are to be mindful to speak truth in love to other people how we would like the truth spoken to us, in love. So it's kind of like asking yourself, how, how would I want the truth spoken to me that would bring growth, that would bring blessing to my life without any com- um, compromising of any biblical truth? What would that be like? What, what, what would that, that's, that sound like? And I think, you know what, probably nine out of ten times, the best way is always love. The best way is always love. Like being able to just have healthy conversation with people. Now, they might get riled up, right? They might get a little mad, defensive, look for every little thing that they can. But see, that, that's the thing. Sometimes we just got to plant the seed and walk away if we have to. It's not about sometimes you digging in the ground and you proving your point to the point where you know what, it's good, now, it's, now it's starting a conflict. Sometimes it's just about, hey, I, I'm sorry you feel that way, but man, I just wanted to share the truth with you because man, I really care about you and I really want to see you on the correct, right path that God ha- ha- has for you. And so sharing you know the truth, then it is like I said, kind of clothed in love. But in order to do that, right? In order to share and really defend our faith effectively, we have to to know it, right? We got to know what we're supposed to share. We got to have a, a, a knowledge of God's word, and and kind of the Christian term for that is apologetics. Okay, and basically this is apologetics, giving you a very simple definition. Okay. It's knowing what you believe and why you believe it and then being able to communicate that effectively to others. So it's knowing what you believe, why you believe it, and then being able to communicate it effectively to others. It's as simple as that. But see, oftentimes I I think that word becomes intimidating to people. Because people kind of think, kind of get this idea that, you know, oh my gosh, you know, that's for the spiritual elite, you know, the the Christian who is a special force thing, you know, kind of the Christian ninja who can go about and, you know, man, he, he can drop all this information and all these things and all these facts and all that stuff. But you know what? I think sometimes God's just saying, hey, all I want from you to be apologetic in your conversation with this person is just tell what you know. And sure, they might get mad, they might argue it, they might say, well, you know, whatever. And then you know what you might be able to say. Well, hey, I'll get back to you on that question. I'm not quite sure about that, but that doesn't discount truth. It just it just doesn't discount it at all. But see, here's the thing: we got to lock into it's God's heart. Don't let me say this: don't discount yourself from being a person who could be involved in apologetics. Okay. Because if you know what you know to be true, and you know why you believe it's true, and you're able to tell people, hey, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. I believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe he's coming back. I believe, right? And they can argue all they want. But it's truth. And so don't discount yourself and think oh you know what yeah I'm probably not gonna. no every single one of us is called to some level of apologetics. Okay? Now you're not maybe not called to the forum of being able to stand in a lecture hall in a college and be able to b- debate someone back and forth. Maybe you're not called to that. But you know what you're called to apologetics with your neighbor. You're called to apologetics with, with somebody that God puts on your heart. Otherwise, He wouldn't have put that person on your heart, right? I mean, it, it, that's just how he works. And so we're all called to it. But let's look at 1 Peter, where I told you to originally go to, to see how kind of what, what Peter has to write about this idea about apologetics. It's in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. It says this. It says, but sanctify the Lord in your heart. Okay, very first step there. Sanctify means to set apart, right? You got to set apart the Lord in your heart. That is probably the number one priority, the number one goal. If you're, if you're going to, you know, kind of um, um, have this, these discussions with people because these, these people will, will try to get you off of your belief to start questioning it. But see, if you sanctify the Lord in your heart, then you know what? You're on a different level because it's all about Him, not about you, right? So it says, but sanctify the Lord in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, okay? Meekness and fear love, right? But at the same time, knowing, you know what? I'm not like fearing God or I'm not fearing people. But, Lord, but having this kind of reverence for God's word and reverence for the fact that God wants these people to be on the right path. That's what he means by that. So Peter's like urging his readers, right? And, and, and really he's urging you and I because when we read the word of God, God's word is for us too, right? And so he's, he's reading them, hey, guys, you need to be constantly and perpetually ready, right? You, you need to, 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 to set yourself in a go position. Be prompt to act when someone comes and says, why do you believe the way you believe? Well, it's not. Well, why don't you just come with me to church on Sunday? Let my pastor tell you. No. Okay, it's not. I mean, yeah, you could do that. But see, the problem is you're missing, missing the whole goal. The whole goal is for you to say, this is what I believe and why I believe it. See, it, there, there's not... Sure, I, I am called to a position. I am called to be a pastor, but there is no hierarchy here. God looks at it and says, you know what, you guys are all, let's say, missionaries. Out in the field, out doing your jobs, out doing your work, right? And he's like, you know what? I want to use you just like I would use a pastor on Sunday. What? Right? But I didn't go to school. Who cares? Right? Here, I'll give you a good way to, to, to clarify that in your head. Okay? What you could do is you could develop a bedroom Bible college. And I mean that. A bedroom Bible college. I'm going to Bible college. What? Where are you going? To my bedroom. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm reading my word. I'm getting into the word. I'm spending time with Jesus in my bedroom. It's my bedroom Bible college, and I'm getting myself ready. So put that one up there in your goal list, right? A bedroom Bible college. But see, God wants us to be part of this mission, right? And and this word, you know, about giving answer, right? Is this Greek word apologia. That's where we get apologetics, right? But it's apologia, which means, you know what? An answer, a rational response, a logical explanation, right? To any question that is given to us, why do you believe what you believe? And, and and really, if you think about it, right, this defending of our faith is becoming more and more important in today's culture. Right? Because we have school districts that are approving pornographic reading materials in our public schools. And they think it's okay. Right? We got doctors who are freely giving out hormone blockers like it's Pez Candy. Also a kid can change their sex. I mean, seven-year-olds. I, I, I just heard California is trying to pass a law that if a parent does not accept the fact that their kid wants to be have a sex change at seven, then you lose parental rights to your kids. What is going on? You know, and then we have like, you know, the retail stores, right, that are pushing and indoctrinating kids all along the lines of that, you know, alphabet agenda. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. And then you got our government and, uh, government and society that's just, you know, totally celebrates this whole gay pride month. I mean, that's sick. <laughs> it's twisted. It's, it's, it's not, it, it's such an abomination to God, but they don't care. You know, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? But they don't care because, you know, it's all about their feelings. It's all about their truth. It's all about, you know, the stuff that's going on inside of them. I want to be happy. And so, and I said before, it sadly has kind of entered into the church as well. Um, I mean, there are times when, when people, Christians, are getting more upset because they're more emotionally based on the fact that sin is being called out, right? And th- instead of being upset about the sin, it's like, how, how you can't bring that up. You, uh, we've lost track. We've, we've just lost track. But see, God wants us to make sure that we are, are growing and stabilizing ourselves to the point where we will be on track. All the time, the way you do that is you spend time in his word, you spend time with him, you, you begin to pray again, uh, the bedroom Bible college philosophy. we have to begin to, in order to put those things into our, our life right and the reason why a lot of this stuff is happening is, again, like I just said, but, but think about it this way if you want a kind of a scriptural example, um, Acts chapter two, where it says that the disciples Continued in the apostles' doctrine. All right? So I'm not making it up. It's the fact that, you know what? If we don't stay committed to the God's Word, then you know what? We're going to find ourselves drifting. And being okay with things and just kind of rationalizing it. And oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to tell them that, you know, hey, this is wrong. This is this. I just want to make sure everything is nice, nice. When... God says, no, 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 you have to approach it in love. You've got to approach it with grace and mercy. But you know what? You've got to be able to stand and, and defend the faith at all times when, when you encounter you know, those, those, those situations. And, and, I, and I really think that the days are gone where we can just skate by. Right? We can just skate by, kind of bury our head in the sand, not really wanting to say anything or whatever. But man, God is like, no, no, the day is coming. The day is probably already here that, you know what, I need you to stand up for what you believe in, but I need you to know what you believe in and why you believe in it. Right? And so let's look at the back of your Bible, right? Jude chapter, and we're going to go to Jude chapter 1. That's towards the back of your Bible. Right, Jude chapter 1, and we're going to kind of look at three things, three truths about apologetics, right? Just knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Um, and so I'm going to read Jude chapter 1 just to kind of give us um, a little bit, kind of set the stage. Um, it says this. Everyone found it? If not, it's up on the board. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called... Sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning a common salvation, I found it necessary to to write to you. Now I'm going to stop right there for a second. Notice he changed. He had an idea of what he was going to write to them, but all of a sudden something changed. And he said, no, this is more important. This is necessary that I get this across to you. I want you to know why I've changed what I was thinking. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. What is that? That's apologetics. Contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So our first point, we got some long points today but our first point is apologetics is meant to be a legitimate part of every Christian's life. Apologetics is meant to be a part or meant to be a legitimate part of every Christian's life. So in the text we read Jude writes, right? He's writing with an urgency for the purpose of exhorting the community in which he's writing to, the community of believers, and he wants them to understand, you must contend for the faith. Now, kind of, what, what, what's kind of what's the background here a little bit? Well, the thing is to see their their faith, their truth is being challenged. It's being even perverted by false teachers, at the time that were in the church. And these believers were buying into that false teaching. See, I hope and I pray, one of my prayers as a pastor is that anytime I get up here that either you have your Bible or you would go home to make sure that I am correct. Right? Because I could get up here and say anything. And you might say, oh, Pastor Scott, he's so great. I hope you say that anyways. But Pastor Scott, he's so wonderful. He's so great. Oh my gosh, this is great. But I might have said something that is so whacked Right? But see, oftentimes I want you to do due diligence. And so, what he's trying to say, hey, you guys are just kind of giving into this false teaching, this, this kind of false stuff that's going on. And see, with today and everything that's around us, there is so many people pushing these ideologies that are anti God that you know what? We can easily allow them to creep into our life without us even knowing. But that's why it's so important for us. To 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 be able to say, man, no, no, I gotta lock in, I gotta know what God says, I gotta know what his word is saying. Because when it doesn't sound right, it probably isn't right. Okay? Because you know why? You have a friend, and that friend is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a believer, and the Holy Spirit will go, flag, flag, you know what I mean? I always, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I always like, you know, when you, when you fly in and you see the guys with the flags moving the air, airline thing or whatever, sometimes I feel like that's the Holy Spirit. Like he's just like, flag, flag, don't know, come on, you fool, right? I'm talking to myself, not you guys, right? But he, he's just trying everything he can to get our attention. So we have to, to, to know. And then Jude says to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So here, Jude, man, he's he's reminding the audience, guess what? And I'm gonna remind you right now, if you're a believer, you are called. You are called out ones by God, not by Pastor Scott, not by your mom, not by your grandma. But if you are a believer, you are called out by God. And then you are sanctified, set apart for God. Okay? You're set apart from the world, and you're set apart for God, to be with God. And then you are being preserved for His purpose. You know what that basically means? is the fact that, you know what? You've got heaven's army. You've got Jesus Himself. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got God the Creator all backing you preserving you right i love the scriptures that talk about you know what you will not be put to shame think about that god promises you know what if you stretch your faith if you kind of just begin to do some things in faith man i'm gonna make sure you will never be embarrassed you will never falter Okay, well, you mess it up sometimes in a sense. Maybe you didn't say the right word or it just sounded clumsy or whatever. Yeah, maybe. But you know what? God's bigger than your stuff, right? And so he can go, hey, probably he's done this for me. Hey, he tried. Let's go ahead and make this happen, anyways, right? But he's God. He could totally do it. But sometimes he's just looking for our faith to be able to make that step out there. So, he goes on to say then in in, uh, uh, verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, this contend earnestly, it's a compound word. I'm not going to give you all these Greek words, right? But basically what it means, it means to strive or fight in reference to something to contend for it. So it paints this picture of of something that's not going to be easy. Okay? It's not going to be easy and it leans towards physical and strenuous combat or war. So, He's saying, hey, I'm exhorting you to contend, fight. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be always accepted. It's not going to be like, oh, well, okay, yeah, I'll just do it. But you know what? Out of your love for people and your love for God, you are sensing, I need to talk to you. I need to address this with you. And then, man, like, you know what? Like I said, you kind of let God kind of do, do the rest. And so it could bring about persecution. It could bring about, oh, you're always Captain Bummer. You're always bringing God into the picture, right? It could, it could amount to that. But, but here's the deal. You have to, th- to express truth because God's truth is not open to change. It's not open to revision and it's not open to addition. Right? Some people like to, add, well, you know, God kind of said this too. Where? Show me where. "Uh, I don't know. Well, then let's take it back, right? But, you know, and and it says even in Scripture that that God's Word is profitable for instruction, right? In order to help us to be able to live a God-fearing life. So God's Word should be taken just as it's written. Not any other way. Not any other thought process. But what, what I love too about this scripture is, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't just point to pastors, which I already kind of alluded to, right? But, because, you know, people look at it, oh, well, pastors are the ones that got to defend the faith. Well, no, every single one of us got to defend the faith, right? It's targeting called out, sanctified ones, right? To get involved, to be devoted ones, to to, to be able to develop this ability to defend what we believe. What we believe. So Jude is just giving his readers, right, and us really, he's telling us, you know, you don't have to kind of argue the sophisticated theology theories. Okay, I I don't need you to do that. But what what I need you to do is I just need you to hold fast to the fundamental truths of God's Word. What are those fundamental truths? Well, an easy one is the Gospel. Right? Holding fast to to the Gospel, those elements of salvation, is something that we should be able to hold on to. He said it was once delivered to the saints So, in essence, you would look at it and be able to say, well, man, so that must mean that, you know what, just like the first and second greatest commandments and the Great Commission, that, you know what, this this idea of apologetics is a legitimate part of our Christian life. we got to know what we believe in, why we believe in it, and then just be able to share it, okay? The second part is apologetics um, include divine benefits that multiply when used. Apologetics include divine benefits that multiply when used. Jude says this in, 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 in verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Now, if you were to look at most of the letters in the New Testament, you would see that pretty much they have these opening salutations or blessings. And, and they usually you know, that are given to the reader, but are, are usually the only two words. It's usually grace and peace. I mean, just look at Paul's letters. A lot of times he just says grace and peace, yada, 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 right? Hey, that's Seinfeld, okay? Anyways, I don't know why they come up. Okay. But, 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 but here, here's the deal. Jude takes it a step farther, Okay. Because Jude changes this this blessing intentionally because he uses three of them. Mercy, peace, and love. And the reason why he does that is because he realizes that these three are vital necessities in times of apostasy. Right? When, When a culture waters down the truth or flat out denies truth at all, right, so that, 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 that God's Word and who God is is basically, you know, uh, eliminated. So he puts these three in because he knows that they're like, almost like um, these blessings he wants each of us to have as we walk our faith out to others. So he says mercy, right? He blesses them with mercy, which, is the, which in the Greek depicts God's goodwill or kind desire to help those who are miserable, and afflicted. So Jews, you know, asked for mercy because these Christians had begun to get soft. begin to get soft in their, in, in their intentiveness or attentiveness to God's Word. And basically allowed these people to begin to spew lies and begin to pervert God's Word. See, He doesn't want us to be soft. He doesn't. He wants us to be hardlined when it comes to God's Word. But then we're soft to those whom, who we minister to, who we talk to, with the occasional, I'm going to pull you, pull you by the shirt collar and get you in line and get into an argument with you. Because even Paul did that in some ways. But then, see, Paul also was very loving and shared, hey, you know, the God that you believe in is the same God that I'm talking about. You know, he wasn't like yelling at him and screaming at him. But, but mercy. So he wanted to get them to kind of understand that they needed to repent and begin to strengthen, strengthen their ability to, to have God's Word in their life so that this, these false doctrines won't just kind of swoop them away. The next one was peace, which depicts a tranquil, quiet, restful state of the soul that is assured of its salvation through Christ. And in this peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning only the Holy Spirit can produce it in our lives. But we need it. We need it. So in the midst of this spiritual chaos that's going on, the spiritual war, I mean, even what we're experiencing these days, right? Here Jude wishes his readers and us, right? Divine peace to ease our hearts our minds, and our emotion, right? When we get into the thick of cultural stuff, we should walk in peace. We should be able to say, man, I've got a clear head about this. And it doesn't matter what the enemy would try to bring at me through this person or through this uh, situation or or through this thing. But I've got such a peace about it because I'm grounded in God's Word. I've got the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'm able to kind of work and navigate this thing and just tell truth. And if they walk away and they're frustrated, mad or angry, too bad, so sad. Right? Right? See, we, we can't... In this season, we can't bury our heads in the sand. We've got to pull it out, right, and be able to, 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 to do that. We've got to be able to say, hey, this is what's up, but realize I'm walking in peace. And then the last one was love, right, which is this agape love. It's a divine love that continues to give even if it's never responded to, thanked, or acknowledged. In fact, it could, one could say that agape love isn't based on response, but on a decision to keep on loving, regardless of response, regardless of the recipient saying thank you, regardless of anything that the recipient does. And and here's the great part about it: this is how God loves you. So as a believer, that's how we should love others. That's hard. <laughs> I'm surprised I can get a louder amen on that one, um, but that's hard sometimes. Right? But see, that, that's kind of the love that we are growing into. More and more, the more we spend with Jesus, the more we become like Him, the more we grow into this love. But again, love is produced by the Holy Spirit. Right? It's a divine virtue that really is required for us to, to um, confront these current cultural ideologies. Um, you know, with God's uh, truth. And then what I love too, he ends it in that last part, he says multiplied. What does multiplied mean? That means more. An excessive amount. So he's saying to, to them and to us, man, may mercy, may peace, may love be even greater multiplied to you. But you know, I think how that multiply, multiplication comes is when you're actively doing it when you're actively standing up for your faith, when you're actively defending it, I think there is an increase that happens in your life where, man, you know what? I'm standing up for what I believe in. I I believe this is true. I'm going to express it. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to whatever. And when that happens, I believe mercy all of a sudden is multiplied into your life. I believe peace is multiplied into your life. And I believe that um, love is multiplied into your life. But we've got to be able to take the steps. Let me give you the last point right here. Because really he wants to empower you to do this. Because you can be an apologetic person even if you don't have a degree. Or you haven't read all the books about apologetics. No, you simply tell them, this is what I know to be true. This is what I believe. This is why I believe it. Ding, 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 ding. Right? The apologetic light goes on. See, when we, 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 when we keep it basic, sometimes we don't think, oh, it wasn't so deep in depth, oh, who cares? Holy Spirit does the work from there. Sorry, I'm getting on my horse, I'll get off it. Okay, so number three is apologetics must be motivated by and exercised in God's love. We kind of talked about it already, but I'm going to give you a couple key verses and then we're going to wrap it up. But apologetics must be motivated by and exercised in God's love. Okay, so there's just no way to get get around it, right? It's it's a characteristic. uh, The characteristics of apologetics is love. And go back to 1 Peter. And we're going to kind of go up the verses uh, before what we talked about already because he kind of addresses the approach of apologetics here. And And this is what he says in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 17. Yes, this is a long verse. It says, finally, all of you. Now notice, it's not this spiritual elite. He doesn't say, hey, spiritual ninjas, I'm talking to you. Yeah, come on, come here, listen. No, he's saying, all of you guys. That, that praise God, that includes me. Because I don't consider myself a spiritual ninja. But, 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 but get it. He's talking to you. He says, finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Underline compassion. He says, love as brothers. Underline love. Be tenderhearted. Underline tenderhearted. Be courteous. Underline courteous. And then verse 9 says, not running, not returning evil for evil or uh, reveling. You know, that's kind of like, you know, berate or censor someone or treat them abusively for, uh, for reveling. But on the contrary, what? Blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So if you walk in love toward someone, you mean, God, that I am called to a blessing? Yes. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Mm. That's where the tenderheartedness, the courageousness, the compassionate, the peaceful comes in. Verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Oh, look at that. He, it says that the hm mm. the Lord, it says that his eyes are, are, are watching going to and fro, looking whom he may. Right? So right there, man, he's watching. He, he, he's totally watching for this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So right after this, now he's going to tell us that there's a price tag for living in the truth. Okay? There's a price tag for it. He says, And he, or, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Usually no one really will harm you. But, he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Going back to what we first started with. And always be ready to give an offense or a defense, sorry, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Other translations say gentleness and respect, or courteously and respectfully, uh, humility and reverence. Verse 16, Having a good or a clear conscience that when they defame you as evildoers. Have you noticed that a lot in our society today? When anyone stands up for the truth of God's Word, they, they, they say you're an evildoer. You must be this then. You must be that. He, so he's saying, hey, it's, here's the price tag. But it's, it's such a great price tag to have. It says, when they defame you as evildoers, those who uh, revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. God, God's going to work it out. Verse 17 for or, or because it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So here Peter's is sharing with us the attitude that we must have. It must be one of love and peace and compassion. And then I'm going to give you one more scripture. Okay, Adam, why don't you kind of come up right here on Colossians chapter four, verse five and six. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm coming up. That means we're ending. Cool. Anyways, sorry. Okay. He says this, this is Paul. Walk in the wisdom of God. Now this is in the Passion Translation. Walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers. Are we living in times before unbelievers? Yes. And make it your duty to make Him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth. And clarity. Other other uh, versions say season it with salt. but think about that drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. And then it says this: then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. right So if we were just to sum up both of those scriptures, They just proved that apologetics must be motivated by and exercised in love. So, let's close. And I'll just say this. Don't be intimidated by the word apologetics. Again, it sounds like a big word. But all it is, is you, right, knowing what you believe and why you believe it. And just you being able to communicate it in love, in grace to others right it's just you having answers to those who would ask you or even you just sharing with them why do you believe this because you know what they're off the path they're, they're not in a, in a following the direction of God and see God wants us to be a, a voice in the wilderness right I mean what did John the Baptist do he was a voice in the wilderness. And I'm sure people thought he was crazy, cray-cray. Lock that boy up. Right? But he would not compromise. And really, that's kind of really what this series is all about, about just trying to get us to understand we cannot compromise in the culture that we are living in because it is going to hell in a, in a basket as fast as I'm probably speaking these words. But see, God is looking for us to step up to the plate and be able to say, you know what? No not going to happen. Not for, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? We're, we're, we're going to make a stance. And if I've got to get ridiculed and I got to be made fun of and I got to be looked at as, as evil, then so what? Because I'd rather stick with the truth, right? And I'd rather stick with God than anything else in this world. And so just just know this, you can do it. I believe in every single one of you. You can do it. Do you agree with me? Yeah? Well, good. Because I'm not going to stop. No, I'm just kidding. But you can do it. You, you, you can do this. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, oh, we're so grateful for who you are in our lives today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just helping us navigate that big word of apologetics and just understanding, you know what, I man, this is what I believe and why I believe it and I can tell people for that reason. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are even giving us boldness right now inside of us that despite the fact that, man, we're going to share what we believe and what we know to be true in your word, that even if we are ridiculed, it doesn't matter because we know that there is a blessing behind Every time that we stand up for truth, that's your heart. You get joy out of your kids standing up for truth. And so, Lord, I thank you for just empowering each one of us today, that today would mark something different in our lives, just about an understanding that, well, you know what? I can share my faith. I can share what God's word says. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit backs it up. The Holy Spirit comes and even gives us words that we don't even know we knew. And so I thank you for what you're doing inside of this community. Thank you for what you're you're, you're surrounding um, us in a sense of your presence and, and the Holy Spirit moving and operating in our lives daily. And so, Lord, if we're asleep, wake us up. And let us, let us hear you. Let us follow you. Let us be bold in our, our love for you. And we thank you for all that you're doing inside of us today. And every day, really, Lord. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.